Uh, well, hey, bro. Hey, hey. Cheers. Uh, d- cheers. Hey, cheers. Hey. Blink. <laughs> Blink. <laughs> What, what you got there? What are you? Ah, you beat me to it. Um, so I'm drinking a um, a a beer made by a local brewery here in San Marcos, Texas. Uh, it's called Aqua Brew, uh, and this is their blonde ale. Uh, it's very good, if I may say so myself. Aqua Brew blonde. All right, yeah. sounds good. I'm a sucker for a really um, uh, interesting looking uh, can of liquid. <laughs> and uh, you're a sucker for a interesting looking can of liquid. I know, because I, I was gonna say I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for like a, a pair, a, like a nice pair of cans. See, you you can't say that. See, just... No, no, that's a whole different thing. I hope then... I, I know you enough to mean like you you'd probably meant headphones, but but that's just because I know you so well. Yeah, but, you yeah. Know, it, it can be misinterpreted a few like, different ways. Love a nice pair of cans is so good. Um, episode then, title. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Nice pair of cans. Um, what about you? <laughs> I've got a fire eagle. Classic. It's one of my one of my go tos. You just mentioned off mic. You're not an IPA guy these days, but uh, and I, I got back into it. I don't know. I think it was just the cold weather. Yeah, I'm like ah, beer sounds pretty good right now. But um, it's warm today, baby. You were rocking the uh, ranch waters for a while. I've got a few of those in the fridge too. <laughs> What's new, man? What's been new? What have you been up to? Uh, it, things have been really exciting, uh, since, since we last met to talk about noted out and I'm drawing a blank, but I'm too excited. Air. Air. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot's happened, uh, since we last met to talk about, uh, no doubt and air. See our previous episode. We actually just got back from, uh, Disney world. Uh, my wife and I went and it was a total blast. Excellent. And you were there for six days, you said? We were there for six days. Um, we did Whoa. We did all four parks, and the original plan was to do like Universal, the Harry Potter world, the last mm-hmm. day. And at the end of that fourth day, we tallied our how many steps we walked. We walked like 45 miles. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I look great. Uh, <laughs> no uh and so we, we were just kind of like hey so you just want to like go souvenir shopping and drink margaritas by the pool because it's full day know, of course it's florida so it's really nice weather and although it was freezing back home um yep. so we we took advantage of that and just had a really nice relaxing uh fifth day um awesome. but uh it, it was it was awesome we did that star wars that yeah. rise of resistance. Oh. How was the Star Wars thing, man? Oh my god, how was it? It was everything. Um <laughs> <laughs> Did you fly did you fly the Millennium Falcon, dude? I did and I got crazy motion sickness. Uh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> how does Han do this? Yeah. <laughs> um the the smugglers run was really cool even though we were with uh we were riding with this like family, uh, a mom, dad and like an like a maybe 5-year-old. A five-year-old um, this yeah. is the million Fal- million falcon one where you kind of have like a use of team yeah yeah like one of you is like a gunner and one of you is like the whatever engineer all right and they say like and then the two pilots so me and me and the wife were the pilots and yeah and like the guy's like 
all right, we're we're working with Chewbacca, and we've got to go get this all for the resistance, you know, and 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 he's just sure. like, cut left, cut right, and I'm there just like, you know, <laughs> basically, I say I got really bad motion sickness, um, doing it with my eyes closed a lot of the time, and oh no. <laughs> And the, the little girl, poor thing, she was the she was the gunner. And and yeah. and they were like, fire. And I was like, I was like, hit those droids, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Punch it, Chewie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the one that was really cool was the Rise of the Resistance. It was uh it was like a total like immersive experience. Uh it, it puts you in the movie. It's hard, that's like the best way for me to describe it. Um is this the one where you like walk by a bunch of stormtroopers or whatever? Like what, 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 yes. what, what is it? What is it? So, so you walk, you walk in and like, not even kidding you, a hologram of Ray pops up and she's, it's like a, like a legit hologram. And she's wow. just like, you've just joined the resistance. Good luck or whatever, you know? And, wow. uh, Ray who? Oh, Ray, Ray Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. Uh, formerly Ray Palpatine. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, I watched I watched that Rise or the Last Jedi uh, on the flight home. Okay. Uh, you didn't get you enough know, Star Wars in. <laughs> no, I, I was like I was like hungry for more. Wow. Um, I know we've talked about it because uh, sure. Ryan, Ryan Johnson is a not. You said it. He's not a contrarian, but he's like a he. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, does he, what everyone, he, the opposite of what everyone expects. He likes to mix. He likes to uh, mess with your expectations. That's it. That and I hadn't seen it. I, I don't think I'd seen it all the way through since we saw it in the theaters. This is not going to go the way you think. That's in the right? trailer. That's his whole thing. I don't know. Maybe you could do like a side, a sideshow on. Oh gosh, six years later, uh, the Last Jedi. Um. I think it's aged quite well, especially after Rise kind of, uh, I don't want to say shit the bed, but if I did, it would go a little something like that. <laughs> that, that somehow. But, uh, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah. The, the dead speak. Like, oh my God. Off camera? They, okay. Uh, but uh, Ryan Johnson like subverts expectations, even in the spelling That's it. That's of his it. first name. Ryan with, a, with an I. Come on. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, because I couldn't get it. We were talking about glass yeah, we, onion. I kept yeah, at, at length. Yeah. Uh, and I kept, I kept them with the Rion. Yeah, Rion. Like, like, it's Ryan. It's Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> He's just subverting your expectations about that. Why? It's an I. Didn't see that uh, coming, did you? <laughs> That's my impression of Ryan Johnson. So it, it was awesome. Like you, I think. So then you go into this like star cruiser because you're part of the resistance, and then all of a sudden, Gleason jumps on the screen is it dom hall um, domnal domnal another ridiculous uh, named person yeah. <laughs> uh and he's just like rebel scum or resistance yeah. scum blah 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 blah, blah. we're right. pulling you in our tractor beam and so like the little room you're in starts shaking wow and the door and the door opens and you're on a freaking star destroyer wow and there's they've made it look movie accurate it was crazy wow um, and then you go into this room and all the kudos to the Disney World, uh, you know, at the Hollywood Studios uh, cast, because they were they were in character and they were just like, yeah. And they found a way to give you all the instructions for the ride 
but also make it feel like they were interrogating you. Whoa. They were like, you will be transported to, you know, to the prison block and you will keep your bag in the compartment that we will provide you. If you do not, we will take it and blast you. Your, um, you rebel scum will keep your arms inside the vehicle at all times. No, exactly. <laughs> and we were just like, okay. Um, and so we're in this no, room. No, no flash photography. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you're in this room and all of a sudden a hole appears in the wall and two two more cast cast members come in and they're like, we're part of the resistance. We're here to break you out. Come on. And so we're going well, in and they, they sit you in these these like little car things. And they're like, we got to hurry, blah, 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 blah. And my wife was like, I'm kind of scared. And, <laughs> and bless their hearts, the one resistance member was like, she looked at, she looked at her and she was like, don't worry, you're going to be okay. It's a lot of fun. You're cool. Oh, and, that's very sweet. And, she, and you know, Lenny was like, okay, cool. And then it takes you, you're riding through a, this like Star Destroyer and um, you're being chased by Kylo Ren. Um, and he's like, awesome. it's a combo of like, uh, combo of like, uh, he's on screen. And then there's like animatronics too. Really, really cool experience. Like we walked out of there and we're just like, what just happened? Like it was, wow. It was really cool. Friend, uh, friend, friend of the show, Kylo Ren. Friend of the show. Hey, Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you go to the cantina? I heard it's like all immersive too. And like they, they never break character. We did. Yeah. We, um, we, so we went to Ola's cantina, which looked very much like the like Moss Eisley cantina. Mos Eisley, uh, yeah. And there was like a robot DJing. You oh, know? Awesome. And we're looking at the drinks and I thought it, I felt bad. I, I thought it was like a sit down dinner place. It was just like a cantina. Uh-huh. And uh, so I was looking and all the drinks have like fun, like Star Wars adjacent names. Blue milk. I imagine blue. I did try blue milk. Uh, it was delicious. <laughs> it was like, sure. a co- it was like coconut, um, coconut. Um, nice. And so we get there and I ordered like the, the bloody. Oh shoot. What was it? Like not the, the not the bloody banta. The big monster in Jabba the Hutt's lair in Return. Ah, oh, I don't I don't remember. Rancor. Rancor. Yeah. I, ne- I never would have got it. Um so I I went in there and I was like a bloody a bloody rancor bone or something like that. Nice. And I, it's kind of like just sound like a bloody mary. Mm-hmm. And uh and so I was like I was like, oh, can I, can I have, can I have one of those? And the bartender was really cool. Um, he was just like, he goes, is it your first time here? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, it is. And he goes, okay, let me just be real with you. There's better things on the list that you want oh. to have for your first time. Like, okay. that's a, that's a fine drink. But if it's your first time here, there are better things to get. I like it when people do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, they know they know what they're talking about. Like, you should really try these before that one or whatever. I love that. It it was it was really cool. So I ended up getting um, Jedi. I ended up getting the Jedi mind trick. Okay. And uh, uh, Delaney got the Bespin Fizz. <laughs> um, it was like they were really good, you know. And it was it was a great time. Um, 
definitely got misty eyed at a couple parts just because. Oh, wow. Because you just I don't know. Like it's it, it just meant a lot being there with her. And I swear, like the fireworks at Magic Kingdom, like mm-hmm. it, it's they play, you know, they play Disney songs and mm-hmm. they play like audio clips of Walt and the movies and stuff like that. And at the very end, like I'm not even kidding with you. At the very end, you hear Mickey Mouse, and he's just like, "You are the magic," you know. <laughs> oh. And I was just like, <laughs> and then like fireworks going crazy. And I was just there, like, Thank "Wow!" You. I need, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. Thank you, Mickey. I haven't been to any of those parks in such a long time, but I imagine the the nostalgia of it all, and like the. I would revert to being a kid again and like, yeah, why, why ignore those feelings? And yeah, I would be all into it. Um, oh. I'll, I'll get there with the kid eventually, you know, like we'll have to take her there someday. Like, um, uh, but you know, I'll, maybe I'll just let her run around and I'll hang out at that cantina all day <laughs> <laughs> with my, with my Jedi bathrobe on. Like yeah. I'm in character too, motherfucker. Man. Um, so we're like walking around and there, you know, dude, one, one situation where I got misty eyed was we turned the corner and there's the Millennium Falcon just like yeah. parked. Yeah. And I was like, wow. You know, I mean, I, 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 lo- I would lose my mind. And you look down and there's two stormtroopers walking around patrolling. And they're, and they're like, their whole stick is, you know, they like, they just essentially just like mess with people. Yeah. They like uh, kind of roast you and stuff, right? Don't yeah. They? That's fun I mean, as hell, dude. And so we're there, we're standing there, and they come up to, uh, to Delaney and I, and they're like, you know, whoever they have playing these guys, they're like tall, you know, very broad-shouldered, scary, which makes thinking about Star Wars even scarier to think like they're they're a bit more formidable in, in person, I imagine. Like, and there's like the line, like, aren't you a bit short to be a stormtrooper? Like, cause like I uh, so we're standing there, and they come up to they come up to us, and they're like, what are you doing? Do you have access to be here? Where are your credentials? Nice. And I was like, I was like, I, I think I, I think I can be here. You know, I just turned thirty four last year, and I'm like stuttering to these like stormtroopers. Like, uh, I've got a fast pass. Yeah, I said yeah. I was allowed here. <laughs> you got, you got Mickey ears on. You're like, oh, <laughs> you're still so crying from the fireworks the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, they're like, what are you here for? And I was like, I was like, my wife's birthday, because oh, because I had a pin on and said like I'm celebrating, and on it I wrote like my wife's birthday. And they're like, is it your birthday? And I said, no, it's my wife's birthday. And he, they look at they look at the lady and they go, good job, and just like walked away. Like, it was it was a lot of fun. We were really really fortunate to have you know been able. We planned it. We planned it for um, summer 2020 originally, and um, life had other plans. Uh, so sure. we we're we we're really lucky to to be able to do it. And and if it totally, if you have the opportunity, ride that Rise of Resistance ride because it's nuts. Um, absolutely. I mean, I'm all over that. And then uh, last week was an was an exciting one. I feel like I'm talking a lot. I apologize. Go on, man. This is your this is your show. <laughs> it's our show. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. Oh, I saw Ant Man three. I do tell, me about, tell me about tell me about flying the Millennium Falcon. Fuck my movie <laughs> night. I don't know. I don't give a shit. Well, last week, um, 
we saw uh 90s icon you know 2000s icon 2010s icon uh adam sandler do you stand up here in austin who's doing stand up or like one of these big old arena shows that he does uh it was like a it was like a combo like stand up and he played music yeah um and like told stories and stuff like that uh I cried then too. Just a big ball of emotions lately. I heard he's got like a Chris Farley tune that oh, knocks everyone's God. socks off. Dude, knock me out because they show they show pictures of them on on SNL, of course, and yeah, they're both so young and yeah. you know, and he you can you can just tell that like, he just like loves and misses you know that guy as so many people do, and um, and then he ends the night by singing. Uh, grow old with you. Um, and he's like, "This is a song I sing to my wife," and it's like, "Grow old with you" from Wedding Singer. Oh, oh, yeah. wow! I want to make you smile whenever you're sad. Carry you around when your arthritis gets bad. It would be so nice. Grow old with you, but he's changed the lyrics around uh, to kind of like be more personal with like their relationship. And oh, then, how sweet. And then at the end of the song, he goes, he goes, and this part's for all of you. And he goes, thank you for growing old with me, you know? And then like, and then like it, like on the screen, it shows like pictures of his whole life. Um, And like when he was young, all his movies, like, yeah. And it was just like a very like moving, like just a real like special experience. Um, Oh my goodness gracious. You've had a. You've had a, a lot of intense experiences. In the I last know, couple just weeks. like golly. And then Rob Schneider opened. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> what did Schneider do? Uh, well, he's kind of like, uh, you know, he's these days he's become kind of like a, like a kind of like a, like a right kind of right leaning uh, comedian. Uh-oh. So he okay. kind of he, but he kind of touched on that. But wasn't like very like in your face about it. Like he wasn't like very. It wasn't. Um, it didn't make you feel uncomfortable. He was kind of like, oh gosh. But he was funny. Um, he talked. No, he like, moved right. That's okay. Mm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he's he's, you know, said some things and which is you know, whatever. His his prerogative. Yeah. yeah, I I've laughed a lot at Rob Schneider movies over the years and things sure he's been in so. I have no ill will. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like he always but, got a, kind of a raw deal, like because he ended up in a bunch of silly movies. But they were all in silly movies, man. So I don't know. Well, everyone kind of seems to pick on him out of that squad, you know. Yeah. So it was it was really cool. I mean, Schneider not as big as like Farley or or Sandler. Part of you know my you know formative years in as a comedy guy. Sure. Uh, as a fan of comedy um but i mean he certainly played a part and uh so it was it was cool to see him for sure wow excellent and then <laughs> oh my uh, god this just keeps going and then last thursday uh we got to see bruce springsteen is this an episode of jake has more fun than <laughs> elliot because <laughs> i'm starting yep. to <laughs> Oh, I got a flat tire. Yeah, when you were seeing Springsteen, great. How was fucking Springsteen, dude? Dude, it was uh, it was nuts. It was, it was nuts. Um, he played for like, <laughs> he played for two hours and forty seven, two hours forty seven minutes nonstop. 
Um, he sang the whole time. It, it was like it was like watching a masterwork. Yeah, I imagine so. It was just like it was really awe awe inspiring for sure. Yeah, and um, we were really worried because little Steven, Steven Van Zant, Bruce is like, you know, best friend. He's been with the band the entire He's time. Right hand man, right? Yeah, he he had COVID, uh, and so he missed a couple dates. Um, mm-hmm. but he was back, and he came out wearing like, I'm not even lying, like Dustin Hoffman's captain hook hat (laughs) (laughs) and and he was and you know we've you know really found like a like a renewed love of the sopranos as you know Mm -hmm. and and he famously plays silvio on the sopranos oh yeah uh and so silvio is like uh James Gandolfini's right hand man, his like consigliere kind of deal. Consigliere. And so we were just seeing him was like, oh my God, you know, and like, so a lot of the concert, we were just like, Silvio, or (laughs) oh, Maron, you know, stuff like that. And uh, was was Max Weinberg on the drums? Oh, yeah. That guy's so solid. And his kid is just like, I think it's just like one tom, floor tom, snare, and like a hi hat and two cents. That's, all he, that's all he needs, baby. He was incredible. Nice. Oh, that's great. Oh, wow, wow, wow. This is at the Moody Amphitheater or whatever, the big big old boy. Yeah, so the Moody Theater. We we were we were like, where's the Moody Amphitheater? We and turns out we like we drove by it like three times and didn't even realize it was there. Um wait, th- th- where you saw Elton, right? That was Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but it was, it was really cool. It was, it was really cool. Far <laughs> out, man. So, but, uh, Ant Man and the Watch Quantum Mania was all right. Yeah, I was, <laughs> but tell me about this movie. Have you heard about this? You've seen this? You tell me about it. <laughs> no, Michael Pena. You should know Aww. that going in. I know. What are they doing? What are they doing? Uh, maybe he would. Maybe he was working on something else cool. But uh, uh, no Pena. Um, the small chin is in it. Our beloved polka dot man. Polka dot man. Oh, uh, oh okay. Or he's he's one. Of, he's like the Russian dude in like the first yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, I he, don't know. He, the, I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he doesn't play that character. He plays like a weird like single celled organism in the quantum realm. So. They like recast him. I don't know, dude. No Pena. Because like the running gag is like every movie Pena gets those cool recap thing montages. Yeah. Which is like so it's like the best part of the movie. I was like waiting for it. Like and no, no, it never happened. So this guy, right? This purple guy, he comes out from space and he snaps his fingers, right? Like, like I wanted that <laughs> to happen so bad. Uh, but it did not. So that was huh. a bummer. Bill Murray shows up. That's kind of fun. Okay. Uh is uh loki required viewing before ant-man it's not required but um it's you know uh a nice preface if you want to watch all of loki or just that last episode because it reveals what king is or, or who he is um and we haven't seen king since then and now it's like okay shit's about to go down phase five or whatever uh i don't know 
it's a bit of Marvel fatigue these days, honestly. It's just a bummer to, for me to say that because I'm a big old fanboy. But uh, yeah, I mean, C plus, B minus. Uh, I, I was talking to a friend of the show, um, Robert Wilson, about this. Um, What's up, about, Rob? Uh, about how like they released the poster for the Marvels or the uh, yeah, and I and I just like was just like oh you know more content you know like it's just I feel nothing yeah yeah I I didn't feel excited I didn't feel I was just kind of like you know that's cool you know like you know I liked I liked the the Ram Monica Rambo character yeah mm-hmm. um. Yeah, I, photon or whatever the hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm psyched for Deadpool three. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna check out Guardians three for sure. Um, but like the um, so I went opening night to Quantum Mania, and I I, uh, I think I sat next to like a movie reviewer because he was like leaning over and like, is that so and so? And I'm like, is that so and so? Oh, Modoc is in the movie, which is kind of fun, but it's just like a huge joke. What because Modoc is kind of a silly character. Um, that, uh, was it like in uh, in High Fidelity when he's like he talks about he's talking about like the how he dated the movie reviewer and he's like, yeah, every time we went to a movie, she had a flashlight pen and would just take notes the entire time. Yeah, she's like, she reviews <laughs> movies, which is infinitely cool, but she has this like pen light, which is really annoying. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. You need to rewatch that shit. Same here. I was thinking about I there's that back back to spring scene, there's that great cameo he has in it. And yeah. Definitely. I saw you post something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, boss. Thanks, hey, boss. So good. Do you, have, um, do, you, do you have a favorite uh favorite Springsteen tune? Uh Downbound Train, um, off of Born in the USA. Okay. Did I ever did I ever tell you about the time I met Bruce Springsteen? Uh I I think you have, but why don't you tell the listeners? So he he put out a fantastic uh autobiography called Born to Run and he did like a book a meet and greet book tour where he went to a bunch of like re- uh, bookstores around the country and he came to Book People in Austin. Yeah. Um and if you're ever in Austin check out Book People they're 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 killer. Um so anywho my sister got me a ticket for Christmas um and so I went and, you know, I, I had practiced all week. I was like, okay, I'm going to tell them downbound train is my favorite song, but Nebraska is my favorite album. I like, I sound silly, but like I practice saying that, you know, in the mirror and stuff in the mirror. Yeah. I was just like, okay, okay. Sure. sure. So I get into the room and it was real quick, you know, cause the line literally wrapped around the block. Um, wow. So it's real quick. You get up there, and there he is. He's just—he's wearing a leather jacket and black jeans and boots, and of course. And I'm looking at the picture right now. It's on my wall. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I walk up, and he goes, "Hey, how you doing? How you doing?" And I was like, "Hi." And he goes, "Hey, thank you so much for being here. Let's do." And he, you know, put his arm around me. And you can tell in the picture, I'm like, my eyes are like glossy and I've like just like oh. stunned look on my face. And he goes, hey, thank you so much. Thanks for the support. You know, like <laughs> he like, that was it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. Can I, I, make drive home, yeah. I, 
out on the drive home, I was like, Demo Shade is my favorite song and Nebraska is my favorite album. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he was a stormtrooper or something. And you guys yeah. felt like, oh, this is weirdly more intimidating than I yeah. thought it would be. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like, so, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see Ant Man. We 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 did a rewatch of those. They're really they're really great, and I'm like really excited to see, um, you know, uh, Jonathan Majors King. Uh, I didn't realize this, but he spent some time in the Austin area. Uh, Majors? Uh huh. Okay. Was like, I think he grew up in Georgetown. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm really excited. Uh, um, but uh, I saw I saw this one thing. It made me laugh. It was like Marvel. It was like on Instagram or something. It was like Marvel. If you want us to stop, if you want us to start taking your villains seriously, stop making them so damn hot. You know, oh. <laughs> like <laughs> at a picture of Johnny Majors, Kate uh, Blanchett's Hella Thanos. Like not even uh, Josh Brolin, yeah. just like Thanos. Like yeah, people people had a thing for Thanos for a bit yeah. there. Yeah, it was odd. <laughs> Like he's got ass. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I never found him, you know, quite that attractive. But all right, I, I hella for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you have you been listening to anything lately? Like, or anything new? Anything modern? <laughs> anything, um, I li- I've uh, I went to. Good old end of an ear. Um, yep. And uh, they they were playing this band out of Houston called Narrowhead. Um, really blew blew my socks off. Um, kind of like shoegazy, kind of like emo, um, kind of hardcore. Uh, it was fantastic. The new uh, there's new Skrillex. Oh right yeah, now. he just dropped um, it randomly, right? Yeah, real random. Like actually, actually, like I guess he like just secretly dropped a second album too after this big Madison Square Garden show, and there's some stuff you know I listened to. I found it is next level good. It's like wildly, wildly good. Um, really? Very, yes, I'm like blown away by it. Are you familiar with any of Skrillex's stuff? Yeah. So, um, mostly his stuff before he became Skrillex. He like uh, he sang. Uh, he was like you know, front man. So he sang and, um, for this like post hardcore band called from first to last. Um, and so I, I listened to them a ton in high school. They were, um, like they're very, very, very emo and intense. Like, uh, they're, they're, uh, their, uh, debut album, uh, was called, was titled, Dear Diary, my teenage angst has a body count. <laughs> uh, oh my god! I didn't know he was in a like an evil man. Okay, yeah, he. I got to see them once, and uh, Wes Borland, the guitar player for Limp Bizkit, uh, was playing bass for them. What the hell? Yeah, it was it was wild. Uh, that was gosh, two thousand five, maybe two thousand six. West Borland, I've never seen someone like that, like larger than life, play like a small stage because they played at the White Rabbit in San Antonio. Uh, but you know, West Borland's, you know, Limp Bizkit was huge. You know, like and he just like 
he stalked the stage and of course he was in like full body makeup and yeah it was crazy like it was crazy and, and kind of like distracting <laughs> in, in, in in some good ways um yeah but yeah but yeah i i really i really really like that um like that first of the year equinox when that dropped um mm-hmm. and bangerang was a really was another really cool one um what's this new what's this new sound is it it is, it is it is far away from the uh, bro step they would call it you know when yeah. when the dubstep thing was real big um and it's just like some like just some next level you know bass music uh tech house hybrid thing it's not, uh look up xena i think x e n a like uh off the new thing uh the new album or it's far out but he just he just played this show with um this new up and coming guy, Fred again. He might be, he might not be as new as I am familiar with, but I'm, you know, I'm not up with the modern modern stuff. And uh, he's like a great like hand percussionist. Like it's like rocks these MPC pads, you know. He's really amazing at it. And then and Fortet, so the three of them like. Oh, I love Fortet. Love, yeah, really. Okay, awesome. We'll, I mean, like we'll have to. I think I think Fortet's like one of my favorite electronic guys of the last few years um yeah i, I heard them uh at end of an ear good old end of an ear go to record oh, yeah. stores folks you'll never know what you'll hear yeah go to record stores <laughs> um i caught fortet here in austin at uh, uh what's it called the outdoorsy one on red river oh stubs no the one across the street from stubs uh oh, oh good uh charlie's not yeah. Cherub Charlie's, but like next door to Cherub Charlie's. Oh, Mohawk. Mohawk, thank you. Wow. We had to... we, we just went, we just gave like an audio tour of all the major venues on Red River. <laughs> yeah, we, we zeroed in on that like a satellite, like a yeah. military satellite. <laughs> like, oh, that's the one. I got it, got it, got it. If not this, then that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I caught Fortet there. That was rad. Um, but they just did this like crazy impromptu, impromptu show at Madison Square Garden. I don't know how you do an impromptu show at Madison Square Garden. Uh, like announced the show two nights before it happened and like tickets go on sale like right then and it sold, sells out in like 20 minutes thanks to a lot of bots and all that but like I remember like the uh, the FOMO anxiety of living out there on that city on the east coast that I try not to mention that too much like like, like oh the that's where the party is at and like ah who, who's dick do I have to do stuff too to get there like um, <laughs> yeah unreal so Madison Square Garden is that kind of like I mean because it's an arena and sometimes sometimes like some folks are like oh you know there's like an aversion to going to an arena show you know like the they want that intimacy that you get at a small club which I understand mm-hmm. um, but I feel like with Madison Square Garden it's different like it's the world's most intimate arena is that am I am I in the ballpark or am I yeah there's not a lot of bad seats in it you know it's like a, a big you know bowl and uh it's just so like legendary and it's it very it's very cool to go to a show there you know i went to a few but some bands aren't big enough for it i saw interpol there okay. i'm like this band is not big enough for madison square garden um but i saw muse there i saw prince there and like now we're talking like this is anarchy and it's just the coolest craziest shit ever this is a giant saw, room i never knew you saw prince I, I, i'm just i'm slowly releasing these reveals to you about shows that i've been to <laughs> Dude, first first you hung out with gwen stefani and grand rapids 
I didn't <laughs> hang out with her. <laughs> Might as well had. Yeah, okay, we hung out a little bit. <laughs> we got we, we had dinner and then and then coffee. I the next morning. <laughs> God. I was fifteen. <laughs> Whenever you were at Madison Square Gardens, um, did any of these shows ever make your body rock? Is that it? Is that the Is Madison Square Garden on the south side of Manhattan? It's like right in the middle perfectly somehow. <laughs> is that when you when you missed a show there, would you ask, why does my heart feel so bad? Would you uh no, but when I did use the restrooms, I uh, I pissed off a lot of porcelain. <laughs> I'll be ready. Here, yeah. Here, Here we, we go. go! <laughs> <laughs> Being at Disney World, they sh- I saw a clip of uh, Peter Pan, like from the '40s or the '50s, I forget. Uh, and there, there's a there's a part where um, Peter Pan, when he's taken off the fly, he yells, "Here we go!" Oh, really? And I looked at my wife and said, "Disney's got a lawsuit on their hands, baby." <laughs> yeah, let's take down that mouse, <laughs> that fucking rat. All no right. way, that's our thing. Yeah. No one else says that. <laughs> <laughs> every time, every time I hear someone like on a show, they say, Look, "Here we go." I'm just like, they listen to our show. Yeah, they do. <laughs> 1953. So uh, they beat us by uh, uh, a couple, years. couple years. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, Elliot's album this week is yeah. one that needs, you know, no introduction, but a lot's been said about it. Yeah, let's let's give it one anyways. Elliot, sure. tell me about Sir Moby's play. All right. So in 1999, Moby was pretty down on his luck. We we previously, and I listened back to it, talked about everything is wrong. His album from like uh, what is it, like 95 or whatever. Um, a very a very disjointed listening experience. Disjointed, uh, yeah, uh, sequenced album. It's really odd. You know, it had its like thrash metal stuff. It had like super speed disco in it, and it had like crazy, like atmospheric ambient piano stuff, and like no message seemingly. And the liner notes are full of his like essays on veganism, and like so I was like, what is this piece of work? After that, he followed it up with all speed metal album called animal rights and he was just written off completely like who does that he's like i know what the best part of that last album that didn't do too well was <laughs> it was this this, <laughs> this this speed metal thrash metal that i make on my keyboards like no bro no it's not what anyone wants to <laughs> it's uh, like it's like that great simpsons where uh 
Principal Skinner is like, yes, yes, yes. Go he's ahead. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, should I change? He goes, no, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it couldn't be. It's the children who are wrong. <laughs> that seemed to be where Mummy was at. And he's like, ah, oh, shit. And he like toured for animal rights and like the album. Thirty people would show up to his shows, and eight were at there at the when the lights came up because people were just like, oh boy. Um, so. He was like, he like, like dropped from labels and like no one was really paying a lot of attention. He released, um, what did he release? Like uh, his, like, I like to score album, which is a bunch of like him on his synths and stuff. Like, you know, writing scores for movies that don't exist. And like, like oh, who wants to pop that on? I don't know. And then in 1999, <laughs> oh boy. He's like, I sure do like all these old blues and like, Americana roots uh, records that a, like a friend of mine just uh, like dug up, restored, and like even recorded by like traveling all over America. And he like starts starts sampling them and adding his piano. And then the piano then informs his like synth pads, and he makes this album like 18 tracks. Um, and he calls it Play. He's like, "This will be my last album." Uh, you know. I'll put it out on a friend's label and then I'm going to move back to Connecticut because I can't afford my Manhattan place anymore. And I'll just end up, I'll just end up teaching like science or something like that at, at the, at community college. And then play comes out this album and it's the craziest shit ever because it blows everyone away. They weren't sure how to market it, so they sold the rights to every single song on the album to commercials, movies, everything. Um, and then it becomes this machine because people started hearing the songs and commercials and movies and stuff like that. They find out who like, this, this song is by. They love it. It's deeply moving and kind of beautiful and d designed to be so. And it becomes this giganto hit and a huge moneymaker for everyone involved. There are absolute slammy jammies on this one. You know, we will open with Honey, uh, the, the track Porcelain, which is, you know, great in the beach. Uh, Why does my heart feel so bad? Of course, Southside. Uh, I think I heard Body Rock first. And I was like, this is dope because it's like a dance tune and like there's like kind of like a big beat album, even though the drums are quite low in the mix compared to the Chemical Brothers or Prodigy or like that. The drums are an afterthought, kind of. It's mostly about his piano, his strings, and his weird vocals that are mostly mumbled into a microphone in a closet or screamed as loud as it can. Uh, natural blues, um, unbelievable. Uh, and, and then the album is like kind of like keeps going and has these beautiful synth pads and pianos and it's deeply emotive and emotional music and because it was so easy to adapt into um, marketing campaigns for cars or coffee or anything um matt damon movies it became this massive gazillion dollar uh, money making machine and moby was on top for the first time and ever Jake, what did you think about Moby's play? Oh man, this one, this was a, this was a big album in our household in the late '90s. Um, so much so, when I was talking to my sister uh, right before we jumped on, and I said, "Yeah, we're we're recording um, we're recording an episode tonight uh, on Moby's play," 
and she automatically goes, ooh, that's a good <laughs> one. You know, uh, this one, this album was, was, was huge. Um, huge. I, I think I first heard Body Rock. I think I've talked before about how I was really big on like, like compilation CDs that they oh. would put out, like okay. like like now, like that's where I discovered Blink, and um, and there was one. I always loved that song, "What Is Love" by Hathaway from the Night at the Roxbury movies. Yes, yes. Uh, probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Like, wow, I I love that song. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so I'll never forget we were at we were at the Walmart on Jones Maltzberger in San Antonio. Shout out Walmart and Jones of Altsberger in San Antonio. Uh, <laughs> shout shout out Walmart. Yeah, we'll tag a, him in our we'll tag him in our Instagram post. It was a very formative Walmart for me. Uh, <laughs> formative Walmart. Formative Walmart. That's the episode title. That's not bad. Okay, I'm writing that one down. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was one of the. Do you remember those CD kiosks that they had at like stores? Uh, a lot of times they were for like like nature sounds or like you know the ambient sounds of oh i do know what you're talking about we could like push a square and then we'd play yeah you would push samples. a square yeah. well they had one of those at at this at this walmart and it was ultimate dance hits volume one sure and that's all they had um what is love i'm like oh awesome mom mom can we please get this i would please it has what is love on there and i was like okay and so it had a bunch of like really like <laughs> Had songs by like uh, "This Is the Rhythm of the Night," Rhythm of the Night, sure. By Corona, I think is that's what they're called. Um, but also, Body Rock Wait, was on this. Snap! I've got the power. Uh, oh, Body Rock was on this. One. Yeah, it yeah. Out, it came out late enough. Wow. Okay. And because those are I, early, those are early '90s jams that you mentioned yeah. before, and then Body Rock is decidedly late '90s. Yeah. And curious. I know, and I remember. Be- noticing that that song stood out because uh, it had an electric guitar on there. And I was like, yes. oh, that's cool. And um, didn't know it was Moby. And then my, the second time was, do you remember that movie, The Beach, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Sure do. Uh, it's directed by Danny Boyle. Um, oh, uh, yeah, they, yeah, that's right. Apparently, they destroyed a mile of beach in Thailand to make it. It's a really weird movie. But I remember being oddly drawn to it as a kid too, and yeah. um, loving the soundtrack. And Porcelain is uh, is on there, yeah. Yeah, and that's the that's the second time. And I remember being like, "Whoa!" And by that time, I think my mom had bought Play because my mom uh, is a really big fan of like the out, you know, those Alan Lomax field recordings, you know, that like that folk blues um, mm-hmm. that, that a lot of it's featured. You know, uh, a lot of the samples are featured featured here. Like Lead Belly was the big one. Um, that's where I think that's where they discovered like Mance Lipscomb um, from Nacogdoches, uh, Texas. Uh, I think uh, Muddy Waters was discovered in this project. They were just this guy was just Alan Lomax was paid to essentially travel the South and record these like folk musicians like sing songs and be- because of this project, like we, you know, we were able to preserve this like beautiful art form um this is this is the the lomax recordings are what moby pulled from i believe foreplay yeah i i saw his name on i saw his name on the track because he gets like i guess lomax got writing credits for those songs 
Um, or maybe a re- recording credit if he, if he. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Lomax, far out. Uh, also uh, from Austin, weirdly enough. Um, no shit. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, my mom was really drawn to play because of um, the presence of that, um, those, uh, you know, the, the African American um, folk songs that we hear throughout the album. She loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I was too young to appreciate it. Uh, I was more drawn to the body rock guitar and then these like weird sounds like the. <laughs> his synth pads that like are kind of the same on every song. Like he's using his synth, his synth pad that he designed, but it's kind of ever present throughout the album. Like, and like, oh, he's just using the string thing that he made on eh, almost every song. Um, but this, and but also the uh, Lou Reed inspired slide guitar is way back. Uh, we touched about the, on that a little bit with uh, everything is wrong. He loves Lou Reed. Like he wishes he he really wants to be a rock star, but he's not. He's not quite a rock star. But like, uh, but he 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 slams in that that steely slide guitar anytime he can. And it sounds good. It sounds great. It does, yeah, like, uh, especially on Honey, um, the one that, uh, the album opener, like, I, yeah. that song is mixed so well. I think it's Honey. No, no, I'm sorry. Find My Baby features the- Wanna find my baby. Yeah. Um, I, I first heard Find My Baby uh, in a Colin Farrell movie uh, called uh, American Outlaws. From 2001. Uh, it's not and, one with like Johnny Depp in it, is it? No, it's uh, Scott Kahn and Ali Larder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I missed uh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it played during the it played during the, the, the credits, and I was just like, "Badass, who is that?" You know. And this was this was during that time. Like I talked about it before, where I didn't. I don't think I understood that one person was producing this sound, so I thought like, and I didn't, I didn't understand sampling at all. So I thought this was just a band singing, like yeah. "Find My Baby," and uh, yeah, it just blew my mind. It's all these samples he found and dug, and then he wrote music to accompany them, or vice versa. Um, it is a weird thing where he, it's it's actually a quite minimal production style especially compared to other stuff in 99, 98, 97 that was coming out. We've, we've, we've talked about a lot about like 97 as this boom in electronic music and the uh, like the high tech gear these guys had. The, the drums are so equalized and perfect in the mix. And this is way more bare bones. It's just, you get the idea, this is the feeling. It's, it's borderline a demo. Like, uh, and that's that feels maybe sacrilegious as to this album's success, but, but like, he purposefully like um, didn't clean up the samples. There's a lot of pops and cracks of the vinyl, or or, or and um, like it, the samples are just placed into the song, and they're not like tapered. They didn't like um, lower the volume at the end of the sample, so it, they, they, he just you hear it, you hear it pop and end, and it just adds reverb on top of it, and it kind of echoes, and it adds a certain like scribbly, sketchy. Um, pentimenti nature to the sampling and it works so well it it's an astoundingly great sounding album um yeah i i had so much fun going back and 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 listening to this listening to this one um it was great hearing uh 
our girl Gwen Stefani uh, on um, Southside. I know you're not a terribly big fan of her version. Well, she's not on the album proper. I watched her the music is... video. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, something about it is like irks me. Like I get so again, like Bumby was about done when he was putting this out, and he says that Stefani hit him up and asked to sing on this one. And he recorded it with her, and he said, "Like I couldn't make it work, uh, so I just put out the, my version of Southside." Hot take. Here's my hot take on this album play, which does mean a lot to me, and I've listened to it hundreds of times, hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, Southside is the worst track on the album. <laughs> the version with Stefani is worse than the album version <laughs> see i always like Southside. i like i remember the you know like watching the music video like it's like they're dancing and being silly and like that that like appealed to me and like they're looking at like the camera and their eyes are like it must be like a ring light of some of some kind mm -hmm. uh, um, <laughs> i don't know it's like it was very cartoony but oh it worked for me and like i like the way the I don't like the way the the synth and maybe guitar is even mixed in. It sounds kind of big to me. Um, yeah, I like I like Southside. Just that the way it's not a duet, and they're both just singing the same song. In that version, it seems to be. I mean, maybe they switch off verses or whatever. But like, hit Moby's voice is in the Gwen Stefani version, and they're so opposite. Yeah. Like, I, he's like. We are now going to the like he's very, you know, <laughs> he's just very Moby. He's very five four in his apartment, you know, uh, bathroom trying to record this thing. And she's like, "Here we are now," you know, like doing her no doubt thing. And like, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't match up at all. Like, and so they have to like match the, they have to compress the vocals at the same volume, and it just clashes so hard for me. It just doesn't make sense to me. But that, yeah, that's my you. hot take. That's my hot, hot take. That's hot. That's, that's smoking it's hot. Oh, it's smoking hot, yeah. <laughs> I, I, almost as smoking hot as Moby is himself. Woof, what a slab of beef. <laughs> Dope. He's not a slab of non... Uh, oh, right. Slab of tofu. Slab of tofu. <laughs> slab of tofu? That's a cool name. Episode title? Slava tofu. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but but of course, like when this album came out, I, it blew me away, and I, it was ever present in you know the car on mixtapes for girls I was into. <laughs> um, like uh, I fell in deep, deep love with this one, and like we just listened to it alone in bed at night, and, like cry. Like um, the, the album closer, my weakness, uh, oh. shakes me to my core. Um, it's the one with the little children choir thing. Uh, it was also featured in an episode of X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> um, because every song on here was featured in something else. And that's how they figured out how to do this. This is like before the OC happened. Remember that show when they like, oh, every episode is going to have some cool hit, kind of indie hit. And we're going to blow some band up because this show is so popular. Th like this is like reverse engineered to become a popular like multi-platinum album is it multi-platinum i don't even know this is probably one of like of the albums i've uh submitted to the show probably the most successful 
at oh, least yeah. finan- at least financially you know you know um yeah this one and fat of the land were the one the two yeah yeah i would say so yeah probably very yeah. the ones i was most familiar with um yeah i mean like you got like uh besides the ones we talked the you know the ones we've talked about um natural blues Ooh. that's the one with richie in the video right yeah sure i really like the way throughout these songs moby like sprinkles in little like tinkling like pianos like Doo-doo-doo. yeah he's a like, he's a he's a he's a very good piano he knows just the right amount of instrumentation to put in there um to to uh make things their most effective I, I, you know um mm-hmm. that's I, I think that's a astute uh review yeah um i remember another album standout for me i remember hearing this one you know in 99 and 2000 uh ever loving and yeah it, like, it could it could be a johnny cash tune yeah absolutely Ima- imagine johnny over that one it would be wild. Dude, I listening back to it today, I was like, oh man, like this this sounds like Johnny Cash could have sung on this one had he, you know had he had the chance to. And it would have sounded great. It would have sounded amazing. Yeah. One of my other phases, uh guitar flute and string. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I had forgotten about that one. I, yeah, like, I had forgotten about it too. And then you know, I re listening to this because like I you know, I I know this one backwards and forwards. I'm like, oh yeah, guitar, flute, and string. I'm like, this could be on the Never Ending Story soundtrack. It's got like some like, uh, like r- real like you know, cinematic qualities. And no duh, they licensed the shit out of this album. And like, uh, did you listen to that B side Flower? Yeah, I'd never heard that song before, but it was amazing. You've never seen Gone in sixty seconds with Nick Cage? I've never. That's like the that's a huge Nick Cage blind spot for me, man. I've never seen it. Don't worry about it. I promise. I'll save you the two hours. It's, it's not good. good. But, uh, uh, I mentioned before I have bumped into Moby a couple of times. Like I mentioned on the last Moby episode, like uh, like one, once I was in Miami with my friends um, for the Winter Music Conference, and Moby was headlining this festival called Ultra. We were walking down the strip, and Moby just walks by with like his hood up and, and, and all this, like trying to be incognito. And I, but I spot him, and I just go, "Hey, Moby." He goes, "Hi." <laughs> keeps walking <laughs> and my friends were like what did you just say i said i said hey to moby they're like what do you mean like i just i'm like i just saw moby and he walked by and they're like are you serious and then he, like i don't know if they chased after him <laughs> like what are you talking about i'm like yeah baby um and another time i was in uh an east coast city that i used to live in um <laughs> yeah. and uh and me and my friend becky were at a we're at studio b which is a fun club to go to Moby was DJing and my friend almost like knocked knocked him the fuck over <laughs> like bumping into him I'm like trying to get a drink at the bar and I'm like sorry Moby he's like it's fine <laughs> uh, so he's just like um you know on, on the everything is wrong episode of Sipping Mimos I was like Moby's a dick like by all accounts he's a dick and I like watched a bunch of interviews with him around this era like where was his headspace in 99 in a word humbled uh, I think like uh like the '90s had not been good for him in this in this long term, and it was very grateful for the attention that Play got, and it saved his complete career. He was about to retire, but like after this, he keeps following it up. But in all his follow-ups, he can't help but put him 
in the forefront of everything, himself in the forefront. Um, he keeps like some of the uh, you know you know roots and blues samples and Americana stuff, but he's always on the track. He's always singing something. He's always uh, he's always got his guitar. There's less and less uh, uh, room for like cool deep cut gems because he wants to be he wants everything to be like a fucking hit. And, and and I think there is a conversation to be had. Maybe we don't have to do this here, but like, is he um, is he respecting these artists that originally recorded this stuff? Is he giving them the 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 credit that they deserve? Is he uh, uh, you know appropriating this? And there's there seems to be in the reviews and stuff. There seems to be two opinions. Like one, like one, like oh, this guy is culturally appropriating black music and and making it digestible for Starbucks, or is he shining light, shining a light on these awesome artists that no one's ever heard of by like kind of remixing their tunes and and making it something new? It's it's not Moby featuring you know this guy that guy and the other guy. It's it is the song by Moby. He wouldn't even let Gwen Stefani on the album. So it, it's just you know there's something to be had. But like, but he does he always has had this um, like. I want this music to feel like something. I want the listener to feel something to it, and it and it uh, it works, man. Oh, this yeah. is a uh, this is a successful album. Absolutely. Um, as I've gotten older, you know, I've really started to maybe like be a little bit more aware of um, great art of, of all kinds. To ten- the tendency for that to have an array of effects um, on on its viewer or its listener. And that's something that I never like really was aware of as a kid. Uh, I remember growing up like to me like art was a painting, you know, that that looked mm-hmm. like the thing it was supposed to look like. Oh, I you see. Know? But I think it was like being a grown up and watching the uh, Chicago Museum of Art scene in Ferris Bueller, where you know Cameron's staring at the the, the point. The rock. Yeah, the pointillism. You know, and he's just like staring at it. And thanks, art school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks, art history thirteen oh one. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and he's he's moved by it. You know, but I don't think he's moved by like the image something is like stirring in him you know and i think being an adult you know i'm aware of that you know and i maybe like i'm allowed myself to to be affected by art in a lot of different ways um you're in touch with yourself yeah you know i i i i'd like yeah. to think i like to think so uh, more so than i was and i was you know 15 you know and just thought like oh this sounds rad you know um, yeah, of course, of course, of course. But uh, yeah, I... you don't you don't know shit when you're 15 and you're full of hormones and like uh, feeling things is like the enemy. Mountain Dew, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. But like, and this is gonna, this is gonna sound kind of like cheesy, um, but this 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 listen through listen back of a play, I tried to allow myself to be a blank slate, a blank canvas, and I tried to let this music wash over me and just to take it all in and move me in ways that maybe I was feeling subconsciously uh, maybe the ways that 
maybe Moby was trying to make his listener feel. And I must say, it was a profoundly enlightening listening experience this time around. I had I hadn't listened to this one in a long time, um, but it, it this one was very, it was a very stirring uh, listen. Uh, it was me. stirring. Yes, it, it was. It was. It was wild. Uh, I hope I got my message. <laughs> that I, I've learned to appreciate art. Uh, long story short, I've learned to appreciate the effective nature of art, and uh, it took me uh, twenty years to do so. <laughs> it, it was very moving. It was a very like wild experience. Um, yeah. Um, do you think it's aged well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, it sounds awesome. Like it. It does sound awesome. Um, I, I think it still has the Moby of it all problem from an electronica standpoint where it's like, oh, this guy is so front and center and he's, and he, he can be a, uh, it's kind of annoying or whatever, like, and he, but he was like early kind of beta male uh, character on that scene before like that became oh, accepted and like as a oh, part of a thing. So listening back, I, I'm like, yeah, I remember all this stuff. It's great. And like, um, I'm like, yeah, this album still kicks some like ex extremely beautiful sonic ass. And <laughs> oh, I, I, that's I, the episode title: extremely what? beautiful sonic ass. <laughs> I won't be able to fit the whole thing. And okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll write that one down too. But okay. E B S A. Um, that's we just. Oh, that's our that we just invented a new genre of music: extremely beautiful sonic ass. I thought to myself, like, what would this sound like if the drums were better? Uh, you know, what would it sound like if those samples were tapered? If it was pristine, and then I realized, oh, we have a version of that. Did you listen to the Rob Dugan remix of Porcelain? I didn't get around to that one. I... So Rob Dugan did did Clubs to Death uh, from the Matrix soundtrack. You know, yes. like the, the the really cool, intense, like uh, Woman in Red scene, and he he remixes Porcelain, and it's fucking awesome. But it's like an eight minute long dramatic piece. Which is exactly not what movie was going for. It's like, no, 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 no. Everything's under five minutes. It's got to be digestible and it's got to sell trucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mission but, but, accomplished. So I think like, like that's a cool ass remix. It's like a, like one of my favorites. Uh, but but he wasn't. Moby didn't really want to do that. He wanted yeah. the drums quieter. He wanted you know uh, the the piano and strings and these samples front and center, along with his wacky slide guitar. Um, I, I I don't know if it's like the nostalgia or looking back or my cynicism as I'm you know approaching death, but like it does it does it is so deeply melodramatic, it is melodramatic and like I don't want to say cheesy, but if I did, it would go a little something like this. It's a little cheesy. <laughs> uh, there I said it. So, um, but uh, but all, all all in all, I think it's a masterful album and it's been in my like top ten of albums of all time for. You know, since I guess since '99, like it, it, it was a ever present in in my car on road trips, and you know I said mixed CDs before, and uh, so like I guess that yeah, that's it. Nah, this, this was great. This was a big one. Um, I knew it was coming, uh, and I'm I'm really happy to to have gotten here. Elliot, let me ask you this question though. Oh, would you, uh huh. Would you consider Moby's play? A fine example of an American recording. Oh, <gasps> here, here, here we, we go. Here we go again. 
<laughs> wow, he kind of. Should we take that again? No, I believe it. <laughs> Bad luck wind been blowing at my back I was born to bring trouble to wherever I'm at Got the number 13 tattooed on my neck When the ink starts to itch then the black will turn to red I was born in the soul of misery. My album this week um, is one by one of my all-time favorite artists. And uh, our first country-tinged, country-adjacent album. We'll get into it, but I don't think this is a country album. Um, uh, It is American Recordings by Johnny Cash, released April 26, 1994. Elliot, tell tell me about your history with Johnny Cash. Okay. Johnny Cash, like Springsteen and Bob Dylan, like before or after him, I should say, uh, that always felt like a musician that I'll get to when I'm older. Uh, You know, like running around like a little Repscallion DJ and, and... and collecting records and stuff like that, like, ah, and like, certainly being a fan of music, and then like, and, you know, I had like my indie guys and my rock guys and and certainly singer-songwriter guys like Elliot Smith and all this. There was always seemed to be a wall there, a generational wall there, where like, I don't think I'm ready for that. And it's also quite daunting to get into a catalog this massive. You know, I, I what's her favorite term on here? Cultural osmosis, like no Johnny Cash tunes, I know his, deal-ish. I saw the movie with uh, Joaquin, uh, but like never, never really sat down and just like rocked out some Johnny Cash until, well, quite recently for this show. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really great. You bring up cultural osmosis again. I don't remember. I think it was like, it was the episode of the Simpsons. It always comes back to the Simpsons. <laughs> Where Homer eats the, um, he eats the chilies, chilies grown by patients at an insane asylum in the jungle of Venezuela. Um, so he eats these, he eats these chilies, and then goes on a spiritual journey. And is that one when he eats candle wax first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and he meets this fox while on his like he's. It's kind of like he's doing like peyote almost. Got it. Um, or he, or he meets a coyote. I'm sorry. I forgive you. And, <laughs> and I'll never forget because the coyote is telling Homer, find your soulmate, Homer. You got to find your soulmate. Jake, can I pause right there? Hit me. That's a really good Johnny Cash. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I thought I was the guy with the voices, but that was a good Cash, dude. Thank you. I've, I've like, I've practiced my Johnny Cash for just about 20 years now uh, in a lot of ways. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Yeah. And so I remember I had this book. It's like the Simpsons. It's like all the episodes. And in the book, it says guest actor this episode, Johnny Cash. And I remember, you know, gosh, being like maybe 10, 11 and reading that and being like, oh, Johnny Cash. 
Oh, and first, I don't know why, but I remember very clearly thinking, oh, he hosts the TV show. Cool. Awesome. I think I was thinking of Johnny Carson. Um, oh. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then that was that. And then the Walk, Walk the Line came out with Joaquin and, and Reese. Mm-hmm. And after and after that, I kind of like became obsessed with this man and his story and his mythology um, and his music first and foremost. And uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty pretty big part of my life since was that 2004 2005. How did you dive in? This um, is this this album that we're talking about uh, is his 81st album. Isn't that insane? What is happening? Yeah. What are you, what are you what? 81st album. A lot can be said about those those early 50s and 60s recordings. Um, and not just for Johnny. You know, so many artists back then, I can't speak for like pop and jazz, but like I know a lot of the um, the artists on the country and rock and roll circuits, they were booked in these grueling tours, you know, like or they would they would play you know, nine, ten, eight nights a week, uh, eight, eight, you know, have eight sets a week, you know, and they would, they would push themselves. And a lot of times in order to keep up, they would, that they would do pills, you know, they would do uppers, you know, and they, so they had these, these artists at this time, they had this just like this, like, you know, they were always up, you know, they were always, unfortunately, you know, so when you see 81 albums, you think about, okay, like in the sixties, you know, I, I I can't imagine what that life was like. I don't want to. You know, it's yeah bad. Um, you know, um, but yeah, uh, eighty-one albums. They just they were cranking them out, and you know that's unfortunately you know Johnny suffered through a lot of addiction uh, in, in his yeah. life be, because of that. Um, and, and same thing happened with with Elvis and and so many and so many other great stars of that time. Um, but yeah, eighty. 81 albums that's staggering this wasn't his last no he i think he after this one he had five more two, 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 oh wow okay yeah one of was, course the, the one with yeah. nine inch nails on it uh, that was hurt you know that was that i think it was that his last one even like released posthumously that was the one last one released while he was with us oh okay and then American... did i say did i say posthumously is it posthumously I think so. I think posthumously is like after chickpeas. So I apologize. <laughs> I shouldn't joke about that. He's a goddamn living or oh, American legend. You know, I shouldn't joke. But um, uh, okay, please continue. Yeah. So after after four, he had he did five and six. Um, I think six was ain't no grave. Like, ain't no grave can hold me. I think it's this is a song. Um, but yeah, so you know, we talked about how there's so many, so many like similarities between play and American recordings. Um, and so in 1994, Johnny Cash was not in a good way. Uh, all of his, you know, rough and rowdy ways, all of his like days where he was like making cutting edge art, you know, pushing the boundaries of country music and you know, uh, rockabilly, they were behind him. You know, he'd kind of become, I, I hate to say this about the man, but he'd kind of become a joke, you know? Um, mm-hmm. he, famous, he famously recorded a song called The Chicken in Black, 
you know, uh, uh, so he, he was a chicken, but poking, making fun of himself. Got it, um, got it. You know, he was dropped by Columbia Records. You know, who, you know, he released like 50 albums or something with them. Um, and it, I, I made it like a goal to like collect all 50 of those albums. And aside from the ones they haven't pressed on vinyl, I have all of them. That's wait, wait, how, how many Johnny Cash albums do you have? Oh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say. But what are you talking about? We're on a, we're on a music appreciation podcast. What are you saying? Okay, okay. Let's oh, because it's too little or too too oh, much. It's 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 quite staggering. Uh, let's see. Looks like almost seventy. That's LPs and forty fives. That is staggering. Um, are the 45s considered part of these albums or 80, 81 albums? Are like the best ofs included in that? I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's including the greatest hits, the compilations, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. I, I There was a time when like I would go out, every time I would, I would see a cash record, I would be like, I need this, you know? And yeah. I would buy like multiple pressings from different pressing plants around the country um and so yeah i was kind of obsessed for a while uh and then i i had to cut myself cut myself off um so yeah even even before like really connecting to to you know to willie willie uh nelson of course um i was like very much like kind of obsessed with with cash i've read a couple books on him and guys really meant a lot to me uh wow wow was also like the single note i wrote down listening to this album i didn't feel worthy of even taking notes on this one i just let it kind of happen to me i was jake you were the canvas i was blown away this is some next level shit and like um thank you for being my cash sherpa (laughs) <laughs> um like because this is the the guy at the bar that's seen some shit telling stories in an amazing voice while playing beautiful guitar it is like a deeply haunt haunting and but also often humorous uh exploration of american folklore emphasis on the lore this guy is like like he is telling tall tales while playing this beautiful guitar in this insane voice that he has i was shook by it it like quaked me dude I, like I, you know from from delia like uh, um to my favorite uh, the live recording of um the man who can't cry or whatever yeah um i'm like this is nuts uh, those live recordings uh like uh, i think the other one's tennessee stud right uh yeah tennessee stud uh, Recorded live at the Viper Room. The uh, Viper Room, which is a notorious bar in Los Angeles. Are you familiar with the Viper Room? Yes, I. Yeah, uh, that's where. Uh, talk about Joaquin Phoenix. We sadly lost his older brother River. Um, uh, Robert Hilburn's Johnny Cash: The Life, which is fantastic. He writes that Johnny wanted Johnny Depp to portray him in a movie. Uh, and Depp famously owned part of the Viper Bar. Yes. Viper Room. Viper Room. Yeah. I read, I remember when Walk the Line came out, 
that Johnny Cash, both Johnny Cash and June Carter, before their passing, um, they decided on Joaquin and Reese. I remember that. I still have that People magazine somewhere. <laughs> um, wow, you're like you're you're all in on this, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I was very much into the the mythology because that's the thing about. So I I I read um uh Tony Toast. Uh, Tony Tost, I apologize if I mispronounce uh, his really uh, fascinating um, look at this album for the 33 and a third book series. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one of the things he talks about is like so much of Johnny Cash's like life is this like mythology that he somehow created around himself. You know, the man in black, you know, yeah. and cultural osmosis like you just somehow he's just like this like he's ever present in in american music he's just he looms large uh over over all american music and um i mean you hear the man sing you you see he's he was a tall he was tall he was like six three um was he six three yeah he was a tall dude Um, just a big old obelisk of a man absolutely like uh, they have a him and June Carter, his his wife. They have a song together uh, called uh, "You Long Legged Guitar Picking Man." Mm. Uh, really awesome. Um, you know he's he's been he was present at some of like the biggest turning points of po- popular American music. I mean, he recorded at Sun Records, which you know, uh, famous famously where um, Elvis recorded his. He, he was you know contemporaries with Elvis Presley. Um, he was also darker than Elvis, where Elvis had this like gorgeous, gorgeous, you know, polished, you know, polished marble of a voice. Johnny Cash had, you know, a, a voice just as powerful. I would argue sometimes even more powerful, but it was the most unpolished thing, you know, like you street level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, his mother, guy- his mother called it the gift. Whoa! I love that. Like you can just you can hear in his timber the the shit he's seen. It's yeah, wild to me. He tells this great story where he was 17 years old, and so and Johnny Cash is from uh, Dice, Arkansas, uh, from a you know Depression era family. Uh, his father was a sharecropper, and they were um, they were working working on their land um he was granted a piece of land from the government they were working the land he was 17 at this time and they were singing and he says i came in from the field one day and my voice had changed and i was i had a bass voice and i my mom my mother heard it and she said that's the gift right there like you have the gift like you know god gave you that gift very very and you can hear it in these songs very strong religious presence in much of Johnny Cash's life, which is really a lot of contradiction too, you know, because while I have no doubt that Johnny Cash was, you know, a uh, very devout um, in his faith, you have those songs where and it's escaping me, but he talks about, I never went to church. Uh, he talks about, he never, I forget the, I forget the lyric, but he, he basically says like, I never went to church. I never prayed or something like that. And, He's so affected that when he says it, you believe him. Mm. You know, like you, you're like, oh, did you really? Did you really mean that stuff, Johnny? Like, are you, like, who are you? You know, you know, like when he when he sings, like 
that he shot a man in Reno just to watch him die, you know, on, on Folsom prison blues, you kind of believe him, you know, you're just like, are you, are you capable of that? You know? And um, that's just the magic of, of this, of this man for sure. Is he, is he hearing these stories on the road and, and retelling them like a, like a, like an old comedian telling old jokes and stuff, or is he, is he, is his music autobiographical? That's a really, that's a really good question. Um, I like to think it might be a little bit of both. Probably right. He's he's a great interpreter. Like so many of the songs on this album are not his own. They're you know written by other people. Like so, you uh, one of the standouts for me was uh, "Why Me, Lord" mm-hmm. uh, by Chris Christopherson. Um, yeah, uh, a friend of his. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one, uh, one of his fellow highwaymen. Um, right, right, right. And uh, I love his... I love interpretation. And if I'm not mistaken, the story behind that was Christofferson was... From the, the, from the movie Blade. Yes, Whistler from Blade. <laughs> Thank you for remembering Whistler. I couldn't remember. <laughs> uh, he, he found God and wrote this song, Why Me, Lord? Um, and... And Johnny interpreted it for this album in a very you know, beautiful way. Um, uh, oh my God, his his cover of Danzig's 13, just come on. Let's dive in. So Danzig wrote this for him? Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw, I read on the Wikipedia page, he wrote it in like 20 minutes. And uh, like they were all hanging out at Rick Rubin's place and Danzig's like, oh, I got one for you, Johnny. Yeah, can you imagine? Can I well, I, I thank you for bringing up Rick Rubin because uh, he's synonymous uh, with these recordings. I mean, at, because he produced them and he owned the label. This guy is a guy who co-founded Def Jam Records. You yeah, know, he he produced the Beastie Boys and yeah, I think LL Cool J, Run DMC, and then the Chili Peppers and Slayer. You know, <laughs> like this guy's got a wild like. Uh, Rap sheet and Rick Rubin, I mean, has a wild uh, uh, history and what is he worth? Holy shit! Uh, but but uh, there's a really good Rick Rubin episode of the show Dave. It's on Hulu. I, I recommend it. Uh, but like he has a really, by all accounts, odd way of producing these things, where they, like you know, like do flashcards and like like, like play orange, you know. Uh, you know, do, do, you know, uh, send this to you know Puerto Rico, kind of like, like weird shit to like instigate this creative process. But it sounds like they just hung out. It sounds like they hung out by the fireplace and just had Johnny Cash tell stories, and then handed handed them a guitar to as well. Which is isn't that exactly what you want from a guy like this? Yeah, I want to I want to sit across the room from him, far across the room, because he might just kill me with a wink of his eye, and just tell me stories. And that's essentially Absolutely. what this album is, and I'm, I'm just shell shocked from it, dude. I'm really fucked up by it. It's so oh, no. it's it's <laughs> no, it's so good. Like I like I mentioned earlier, like, like I'll get there when I'm older with these artists, you know. Uh, and I think I'm there. You know, I'm forty. Awesome. I've, got a, I've got a kid, and like this hit me real hard. This <laughs> is this is fucking amazing, and I can't wait to dive into the other. 90 albums that I have to yeah. listen to now so I appreciate them fully you you could go you can go like 
Um, tell me, tell me which of the albums I need to do after this one because I'm 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 lost in the wilderness with this dude, but I I know I appreciate something going on here. I would go. I would probably, if you're if you're as moved by these, I would just do the American recordings. Okay. Like really, like let that those compositions kind of like seep into your soul because they're like they're just some of the finest recordings ever. Um, and then I would work your way back. So is this a is this a first like a series of like stripped down later year cash where where it's like just him and a guitar because I think he like uh, really didn't want a backing band on any of this stuff. Seems to be. Well, yeah. So the so story was you know like Ruben wanted to push himself, and he always felt that Johnny Cash was you know an artist. Um, you know that he wanted to work with and you know he got in touch with him and you know johnny cash was skeptical you know june carter cash was very skeptical like why is this you know i think they called him like uh the ultimate hippie uh why does he he produces metal artists like why does he want to work with you you know and they turned out to really be just kind of like kindred spirits you know they would just you know they would just sit down and Cash would tell stories and plays guitar. And I think in, in Hilburn's book, he writes, he writes, you know, there were times when we would be recording and Johnny would be, he would start performing the songs. And he would say, can you do one a little bit more, like a little bit more authentic? And, and Johnny Cash, he knew what he was talking about. And he says that Johnny would go, okay, get off the stage, John, get off the stage. And then he, he would re-record it in the way that you hear it on the album. Have you ever listened to Johnny Cash live? Any of any of his Folsom Prison or Matt, uh, San Quentin? Yeah, 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 in, in, in passing. He's, it's very like, he's a, he was electrifying, you know, he's a very like, like a showman, you know, and these, yeah. these songs are not that. These songs are like uh-huh. harrowing, deeply heavy um, tales. Um, well, it's, it's great grandpa at the family reunion next to the bonfire telling us stories. Like, and yes. all the kids are gathered around and like enraptured like, by this storyteller. And, and I don't know. I, I yeah. I, I clearly liked it a lot, so I don't, That's, I don't know what else to say. Really, I just no, felt I, like, wow, you know, wow, holy shit, wow. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really happy you liked it. Like I, these, these, these albums are are like just, I just nuts, and I think it pairs so well with play because you know, kind of like in '99 where Moby was like, you know, my, you know, my hardcore stuff kind of tanked i'm gonna give it one more go and then i'm gonna retire you know uh-huh. in 94 or 93 you know johnny cash he was I, I kind of mentioned earlier like he was kind of a like a joke you know he was performing in like branson missouri you know uh in like a little like the the uh the wayne newton theater you uh-huh. know he was like second to wayne newton and Ugh, can you imagine and you know, his, his, <laughs> his, no, no dig on Wayne Newton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his health was failing. Um, yeah. You know, he wasn't in a good way. And then, you know, like Roseanne Cash says, like Rick Rubin came along and 
quite literally saved his life, you know, um, wow. saved his professional life and perhaps even his, you know, mortal life, you know, because I don't know. He was, he felt valued again. You know, he felt he was cool again, for lack of a better. I mean, like in 1994, Johnny Cash performed at Glastonbury, you know, like the you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. British festival. So here's Johnny Cash, you know, just the, the man in black performing to a bunch of like 20 somethings, you know, and yeah. it, it, I think it was really, it was a, it was a, a, a turning point um, for, for his career. I think for American music, it kind of like, uh, I think Marty Stewart, a really amazing country artist, like kind of said like, it just refreshed everything. It set everything up for the 21st century. Um, mm. And I completely agree. And it kind of like really shows how good of a rhythm player Johnny Cash was because that's all him. Like, that's him playing guitar. Uh, yeah. And, you know, live, most of the time he has the guitar like slung across his back. He's not really playing it. Was oh, that right? Yeah. Uh, you know, but he's actually playing it and he's, he doesn't have like the virtuosity of like Waylon or Willie, but he's like a solid, like, rhythm player and it really shines and the fact that most of this album was recorded in rick rubin's living room kind of blows my mind it and i think i correct me if i'm wrong but i think i read that he he's playing the guitar while singing at the same time like like and often listeners like that you would you would record those separately but if it's just him and his guitar he's now like performing this this his poetry with his music at the same time, because that's the way it's meant to be performed and then therefore heard. Yeah. Like, he's not, there's no click track YouTube bullshit here. This is like, <laughs> this is a, this is an old man who's seen a lot of shit telling stories while playing guitar and it's magical. Beautiful. I mean, and then the next one that comes after this is, you know, Unchained and then uh, Solitary Man. And then my personal favorite is The Man Comes Around. Uh, that's the one with hurt. Uh, that's the yeah, yeah. Um, his voice, that that gift, uh, as as his mother would call it. You you start to hear it become more weathered until you get to like the man comes around, and it's it's when a man comes around. Yes, it's like it's aged in the finest oak barrel and it's amazing uh i was thinking about it and was thinking about my favorite like american vocalists uh maybe maybe the ones i feel are the most profound you know for what they stood for i would say you know billy holiday aretha franklin oh yeah elvis presley i i was trying to think of someone I wanted to do like maybe like James Brown um, or even uh -huh. like Sinatra. I think after listening to this, because I I I, I kind of because Johnny Cash's story is it it is a it is a woeful tale at times. You know, this is a uh -huh. man who had a had a hard life. You know, had a hard childhood, went through a lot as an adult. Um, got married in San Antonio to a San Antonio uh, woman at the same church that my grandparents got married at. No uh, shit. Yeah. Uh, St. Anne's Church in San Antonio, Texas. Um, How cool is that? Man? 
uh, yeah, it's right, it's right there in my neighborhood. It's so crazy. And his first wife went to the same high school as my mom. So, are uh, out. You know, this is a man who 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 lived um, lived life to its fullest and oftentimes to its you know most dangerous levels. Uh, but yeah. a, as a result of that, we we got some. We were very fortunate to get some really incredible art um, out of it for sure. Uh, and this album just like like kind of like play. It just it gave him it gave him another chance to to make his to play his music and create art and uh i don't know it's amazing i'm really happy you liked it oh i, I was shattered by it so yeah <laughs> i like that no i'm yeah. gonna like talk about am i gonna buy the vinyl are you, are you gonna are you gonna pull it out right now yeah there it is i knew it <laughs> what a dope picture too i heard it was taken in new zealand when he was there yeah. or, or something how cool is that well and apparently johnny really liked the so on the front cover if, if you're not familiar it's just like a black and white image um, of Johnny sepia. Cash. Is it sepia? I think you would call it sepia. I don't know. Is it? I can't. <laughs> uh, oh, I guess it kind of is. Um, I think see, uh, never mind. Well, photographers are going to get mad at me because it's probably not proper sepia, but okay. Uh, so it's this, it's Johnny. Uh, he's wearing a preacher's coat. He's got his guitar case and there's two dogs, uh, a black one and a white one. And the dogs originally weren't supposed to be part of the cover image, um, but they uh, Johnny liked them there because it was like, like good and evil, like black and white. Which That's very cool. cool. Shot shot by the guy who, um, who uh, I think he took the picture for U2's Joshua Tree. Okay, I like that. I wanted to mention, uh, like later on. Johnny recorded God's Gonna Cut You Down. And that's oh, the yeah. same, same song that Moby samples on Run On, I believe. Oh, okay. God's Gonna Cut You Down. <laughs> Run on, ducking and dodging. It's the same oh. uh, same song that is being sampled by Moby. Also, did you recognize, I was going to mention this, did you recognize Danzig's 13 from any film? Uh, in recent history? The Hangover. It's a, It opens up The Hangover, yeah. Well, um... The Beast in Me is also played in the Hangover film. I think it's Hangover Two. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think um, that director is a big old fan yeah. of those guys. Yeah. Oh, and uh, once I went to a, a wedding with a friend of mine as her date, and the Misfits were there. So. Oh, what? Oh, was it in Jersey? Uh, it was in Jersey. Yeah. Oh, oh man, that's so cool. That's, that's my so Misfits cool. story. I teased you or I texted Jake earlier. I was like, I got a misfit story. Kind of impossibly. I think it's like, uh, my friend Ashley, like invited me like, Hey, do you want to be on my date to this wedding? I'm like, sure. So we go to Jersey and, uh, she's like, Oh, do you know the misfits? I'm like, I know the t-shirts. I see all of the place. <laughs> the t-shirts with that face on them. She's like, yeah, that's the one. I'm like, well, they're going to be there at this wedding. I'm like, okay. Like, do I need to know this? She's like, I just thought it's cool. I'm like, and it was cool. <laughs> so, Wait, so I, I don't Wait. know if Danzig was there. Uh, but there were a lot of uh, he might have been, and there were some. I didn't know how to pick him out from a crowd or anything, but uh, it was a wild ass wedding. And and uh, what? so was it like they were just like friends of the family, and they were just like you just looked, and there's these like super jacked like guys with cr- crazy eye makeup and devil locks. Yes. Shut up. Are you serious? 
They went in full regalia? No! <laughs> there were giant dudes there with uh, black, black, black as the night hair. And uh, and uh, I think it was like siblings or n- nieces and nephews getting married. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane! I didn't know, like what to, I couldn't like fanboy out on it because I don't, I don't really, I didn't really know their stuff or I still don't, you know, but uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> That's so funny because like, have you, you like the misfits they like they you know they're all like super jacked like they're like they clearly stay in shape and you know yeah, danzig's like huge right he's like shredded <laughs> danzig is shredded but i i actually uh had the chance to say hi to him uh it was kind of like my my moby like your moby story oh um, i mean my moby bump ends literally yeah he was playing at stubs and he was he walked in uh he is a tiny man uh but had such an aura around him. It was mm-hmm. crazy. I imagine so. I was just like, oh, shoot, that's dancing. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> I can't. I just think it's funny of like you just like sitting at this like wedding and looking over and like Jerry only from the Misfits is just like chilling with his eye makeup. That's was, yep. it, a punk, was it a punk rock wedding or were they just like the, the the crazy uncles in the band? It got a little rowdy, but it was mostly a wedding wedding. <laughs> Damn, that's nuts. I, I think, you know, we've said all that one really can say about, you know, uh, American Recordings. One, uh, it's an album that truly speaks for itself. Uh, so if you haven't, if you're not familiar, check it out. And um, just uh, just and, and, and embrace one of the greatest voices uh, in I'll just say in history, not even American history, just history. I'm really happy yeah. I liked it. Yeah, you know, I, I was mentioning before, you know, I was waiting for the right time. And then sure enough, uh, my dear friend Jake introduces it to me. It puts it back on my plate. And I'm like, oh, I think I, you know, I was waiting. And then now cash, I'm like, I'm now I'm like going to, I'm going to dive in, man. Because I'm, I'm excited. Ooh. I keep me updated. Let me know. I'm. I'm so excited for you to start your Johnny Cash journey. It is, yeah, it is one that will that you can return to and find exciting new things, you know, after after years. Um, so I'm really excited for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, and, uh, and 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 everyone revisit play if you haven't already. And it's, oh it's, yeah, uh, oh man, it's a good listen. And uh, yeah, there's some real gems on there. And you know, there's a reason it's uh, you know worth a bazillion dollars because like there's yeah some real real choice choice tunes on that one. All right. So uh next episode, why did I go like full Keanu right there? All right. So next episode uh, So uh, whoa wait whoa. what next episode we've got some really cool things going on for the show. Uh so if you remember yeah. uh, from, from last season uh we took we got in our DeLorean punch <laughs> it to 88 miles per hour and we went to the year 2000. Um, yeah, we, we did. We had a great old time doing so. Uh, so Ellie and I thought, let's push it a little further this time, and let's go to the year 2001. Um, yeah, we went 89 oh, miles an hour, and then I got to 2001. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is a packed year for me, uh, uh, radio rock-wise. Um, so it was kind of hard narr- uh, narrowing it down, but I got my... I'd- I had the same issue looking at 2001. I'm like, uh, boy, uh, like there, there's some really good stuff from a lot of 
really good people, but most of them we've covered before. So I was like, you know what? I'll go with someone we haven't done yet. Uh, so I've got mine. Mike, wow. I've got my. We're going to the year two thousand one, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk about albums from that year. For my album, it's one of my top three favorite albums of all time. Oh boy. It was a huge one for me. Uh, it's one that I return to quite often. So next time we're gonna do uh, Jimmy Eat World's "Bleed American." My wow, framed, signed copy of Jimmy Eat World. "Bleed American" just, is the album. "Bleed American." This is the one with the middle. Okay, for fucking forget it. All right, awesome. It's a, uh, oh banger, man. banger. <laughs> Banger after banger, uh, this album is in my DNA uh, just as much as Johnny Cash's. I'm so excited to talk about Jim Atkins and the boys. All right. I often feel inadequate with these comparisons and contrasts uh, because, like, yeah, Moby Play versus Johnny Cash is like, well, Moby wishes <laughs> he was this, <laughs> you know, clearly. And I'm like, oh, Jimmy, well, that's like perfect pop music. Um, in that same year, 2001, we had Daft Punk's Discovery. Uh, we had Aphex Twins' Drucks. We had uh, Basement Jack's uh, follow-up, Rooty. But we've already covered those guys, a little bit at least. So I'm going to go with a... <laughs> a Norwegian electronic music duo named Royksup and their album, Melody AM. I was not expecting this one. Of course you weren't. You never heard of these guys. Never. I thought we were going to go like Massive Attack or something like that. Um, Melody AM. Roik's up. Roik's up. All right. (laughs) What what should I, what should the listener and I look for uh, on this one? Um, You should look for pure joy. Okay. <laughs> this will be a, this will be a nice fun uh, compare and contrast with Jimmy. I think uh, cool. like th- these guys are they're, they're, they put out this album and it kind of exploded. Uh, and it's you know it, there's a lot of house elements in it. You know we haven't done a house like a proper dance record in a, in a few, few episodes. Um, and it's just kind of joyful, a little bit silly. Uh, and there's some really standout tracks, and these guys kept on going and made a lot of cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool stuff. Awesome. So I'm excited for you to listen to it. I think you're gonna really dig it. I'm excited for that one. All right. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for Johnny Cash and Moby. Uh thank you for listening. Uh if you've recently discovered Sip and Mimos, uh this is we didn't do our int- we didn't do it, but this is um We know, didn't. Oh I'm- shit. <laughs> Three seasons. That was the first time we've not we've not done it uh, at the beginning. All the, listen, all the listeners are two hours in. They have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, uh, the uh, internet's premier. The internet's premier <laughs> citrus lib, oftentimes citrus libation, but not always podcasts where we talk about '90s rock and electronica. Um, yes, and it, it's. <laughs> It's a great time, and we're happy you stumbled on this episode. And uh, hope you come back for more. Uh, and go back and check out our catalog. We have a lot of really cool ones. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, follow us Instagram, on Instagram. Yeah, sure. And and uh, hit us up and tell us uh, what, what do you think and what albums we should cover. And also try to get uh, our boy on the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I've been reaching out. Uh, Devon Sawa, 
Uh, and you've 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 reached out to Devin Sawa multiple times <laughs> before we started doing the show. <laughs> before we start, I mean, it's just, yeah. It's, now I'm just doing it for work. Uh, <laughs> but before it was just for fun. Uh, right, right, right. We'll get him. We're uh, you know. Oh, we'll get him. We haven't had a lot of luck. We didn't have a luck uh, uh, with with driver uh, Campbell or uh, <sighs> Embry, but I think Devin Salazar. I think it's a good year. Yeah, he, he, yeah. I think it's gonna happen. Yeah, he seems like a fun, silly dude. He just posts memes on his Instagram. <laughs> That's not stop. I would just love to get uh, get him to talk about Idle Hands with me. I would just. What if we did a commentary with commentary track of Idle Hands with? Devin Sawa. Heaven. Heaven. <laughs> yeah. Dreams. Eat one kid. Dreams come true. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Do you believe in miracles? Uh, Jake, thanks. So, thank you so much for uh, uh, signing this album. I'm so happy you enjoyed it. And thank you for, uh, for reminding me how amazing play is. This was a lot of fun to go back and listen to it. Yeah, well, well, this this show is a great, always a, always a pleasure to record it. And you know what, Jake, you're the real magic of oh. this kingdom. Oh, thank you, Elliot. Yeah, that was my, that was my. <laughs> I'm crying now. So, well, <laughs> Elliot. Yeah. Thanks what? for everything. <laughs> Stay With cool that. out there. Yes. And Elliot, as always. As always. Stay sipping. S- Stay sipping. Thanks. Catch Plank. you next time. Good night, everyone. <laughs>